This is the Rotating Platform. It's a podcast about video games. It's Sunday the 8th of February uh, and I'm Alan Madrill. Hello. I'm joined by Mr. Mark Green. Hello there. And also by Mr. Matthew Castle. Hello. Tell him the episode number, Al. It's episode 13. Correct. Ooh. Did I not say that? Yeah, 13, obviously. Yeah, it's Unlucky 13. for some. Yeah, hopefully not you. Uh, yeah. Who, well, who are you yeah. talking to? Well, th- well, all of us, actually, collectively. I'm slightly scared. I don't know about you. <laughs> Unlucky for our listeners. They have to put up with uh, an hour and a half of us. Um, Yay! So, yeah, how is everyone? Sick. Sick as a dog. Oh. Uh, it's all plague. Uh, however, the good thing about being ill for a very long time over winter is you get to play a lot of video games. So, you know, every cloud. Oh, great. You should tell us about some of those video games, though. Nah. We should do a podcast about it. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nobody cares about that. It's all getting a bit meta. <laughs> um, I had something to say this this uh, podcast. Um, you know that you know that news. Did you see that news about how all the um, Club Nintendos are being shut down? The um, yeah, the thing where Nintendo provides uh, gifts in exchange for points that you earn by uh, buying games by and registering like. games. Yeah. Yeah, what amazes is... me anybody actually does that. I I could never be bothered, but people well, this, do. that will be very pertinent to my story uh, because it's a, a bittersweet moment for me because I helped launch the original um, Club Nintendo or Stars catalog, as we refer to it internally, at Nintendo um, well, in the well, early two well. thousands. So I was right there when we came up. Well, you know, borrowed the idea from uh, airlines and stuff to um, <laughs> to. Uh, give people stars, and then we- they could swap them for on the website for stuff. Were you, so respons- stuff. Were you responsible for ninety nine percent of the gifts being uh, mobile phone screensavers? Well, <laughs> it's like, do you want a Donkey Kong uh, ringtone? <laughs> uh, no, thanks. It's only eight hundred points, which is about a million pounds worth of games you bought. <laughs> what people probably forgotten, and it is still on Wikipedia when they talk about it. Um, you used to get points for just going on the Nintendo website, stars rather. You got like That's five madness. stars a day for, and you got like, st- I think we were talking about giving you stars for doing forum posts and stuff. Uh, yeah. I remember, yeah. um, when they started doing the, uh, every 3DS game, non-Nintendo as well comes with star points or Nintendo points, whatever they're calling them now. And mm. so we ended up with like, because we had all the review games in at launch, we had a pile of about 18 voucher codes to input. But oh, when yeah. you put them in, you have to do this questionnaire, and it's it's so much agony that you almost can't be bothered to do it because you have to uh, <laughs> basically answer, like, 50 questions about the games. So it's like, why did you buy the game? You know, how long have you played the game for? Would you recommend the game to your mum, dad, brother, sister, or whatever? <laughs> but then it, yeah. there was always a bit which said, why did you buy this game? And because I was a massive nerd, I would always type in because Nintendo Gamer told me so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hoping that someone at Nintendo would read this and go, wow, these magazine guys have real influence with their readers. <laughs> but it was all yeah. just me going, because Nintendo Gamer told me so, and they really know what they're talking about. So um, so it's kind of the, it's kind of been a, a difficult... 12 months for me because um not only have they you know nintendo of europe launched the whole idea of the stars catalog and club nintendo and that's closing the office i actually worked in the main nintendo office in germany um closed uh, i think last year as well so it's like my it's like it's like my past is crumbling around me it's quite disturbing well, yeah, well 
dude, last year my present crumbled around me when they closed the official Nintendo magazine, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's It wasn't true. like, oh, remember that thing I used to do in the past? It's like, remember that thing that's your current <laughs> livelihood? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess I shouldn't complain. <laughs> Weeps violently. <laughs> Only joking, that, is, that, that isn't what happened. Yeah, let's get on to some platforms, my friends. Yeah, let's yeah. leap off. Um, yeah. Enough let's... of this tragedy. Lead, lead on, Alan, as I used to say in my primary school. Lead on. Okay. Well, I mean, I'd like to, I'd really like to kind of start us off on a, a good sort of footing. But first of all, this. Well, if you're looking for uh, true facts, you've come to the right platform. Because <laughs> this is the 100% true facts platform. Oh, where that's we... convenient. <laughs> if you're not looking for it, skip forward about 10, 10 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, you want the next one. Yeah. So uh, we have done some research. We've dug around and yep. um, we've, we've discovered some stuff, some 100% true fact stuff about um, the Metroid Prime trilogy, which was released on the Wii U uh, shop, right? A couple of, yeah, couple the of Wii weeks. version was re-released. Yeah, so this is a good time for, I think, everyone who's playing the games or is thinking about buying it to, to find out some of the lesser-known stuff um, about it mm-hmm. um, that, for some reason, mainstream video gaming sites have never mentioned, ever. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's to do with falling standards in games journalism, really. I know, it's actually, it's it's really amazing what you can find out if you dig around. Like, yeah. I've been writing a lot about Metroid Prime over the years, but some of these things were, like, new to me, even to me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, I looked under the sink, and uh, as I was coming up, I kind of bumped my head and felt a bit weird for a while. And then when I felt better, I realised that I knew all these things about Metroid Prime more than you. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're sure you're not, you're, you're sure you're not in a coma? <laughs> and this is oh, all might, oh, yeah, it could be that. It could be that, yeah. <laughs> it will be in your head. All right, well, Al, kick us off with one of your, um, one of your ones. What have you okay. got for us? I got one. Um, now, it's interesting that um, often... Nintendo uh, create a kind of false sense of scarceness when they launch a big game in order to kind of increase the sense of desire for the game, right? Okay. This is obviously a download product. Uh, so they've actually replicated that effect by limiting the number of downloads that are available. So if you, you, know, if you, if you go to your uh, Wii U and you try and download the game and you're number 5001, tough luck. Well, that just seems stupid. What's uh, what's the uh, Matthew? You got a fact for us? Yeah. So um, it, to celebrate, because they obviously these were three big games, and when they put them together, they actually uh, they they put a hidden documentary on the on the in the game filled with lots of cool facts. Um, and one of the facts reveals that Samus's spherical shoulders are actually modelled on Maltesers. Um, <laughs> And the uh, designer justifies it when he says, and I quote, I just really dig Maltesers, man. <laughs> so there you go, That's who knew? Classic Nintendo, <laughs> classic retro. Yeah, classic I know, retro. It, was, it was great insight. Yeah, Maltesers, very big in, uh, oh God, a re- Texas. Yeah, Texas, yeah. <laughs> okay, I got a fact. Um, did you know uh, that uh, the guy inside uh, the suit is actually a woman? What? In, uh, <laughs> That does explain the very feminine eyes that sometimes flash up in the visor. That's right, yeah. And it explains nah. why um, when you got to the end of the original Metroid, it was a woman in the in the suit. It's, be- <laughs> it's because she was a woman. All right, who's up next? Oh, boy. All right, I'll give it a go. Uh, there's an advertising campaign which didn't see the light of day. It's from a few years ago, so it's kind of slightly outdated. Uh, it featured Samus... Um, 
rolling up into a ball and then riding on top of the ball naked, swinging in like Miley Cyrus in that Wrecking Ball video. <laughs> that is topical as all heck. That's awesome. <laughs> topical from three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. That's true. It's nice and true. Uh, I've got another true fact for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as many people know, the evil space dragon Ridley is named after Ridley Scott. Mm. But what a lot of people don't know is that in Metroid Prime Trilogy... Ridley is also voiced by Ridley Scott. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, I've got that's true. I've got a sort of audio fact as well, actually. Um, oh yeah. The, for for this uh, re-release of the trilogy, um, you know, Nintendo Music Maestro Koji Kondo. Um, yeah. He's remastered all the music in Metroid Prime Three specifically, uh, using only sounds that he's made uh, out of his own body while he's naked inside a bin. <laughs> <laughs> It really adds a, a very special atmosphere to the third, to the third game in the uh, in the series. Definitely worth a look if you uh, if you get the chance. <laughs> He's a genius, an absolute genius. Right, next fact. All right, next fact. Okay, uh, one of the enemies. Uh, one of the enemies in uh, in I think it's Metroid Prime Two is the Ing. Now, mm. what yeah, a lot right. of people don't know, the the Ing. It's not actually the Ing. Um, it's the ING, the um, the bank providing commercial <laughs> services to the finance sector. <laughs> uh, that's good knowledge. That's, that's good knowledge. That's true, though. It's slightly con- it's it's true, but it slightly conflicts with one of my true facts. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it when this um, happens. So I've got a, I've actually I've got another Ridley Scott related fact. Mm. Um, so while you already know that Ridley is named after Ridley Scott. Did you know that the game's other bosses are also named after famous film directors? Oh, I no. didn't know that. So, no, I didn't know. Yeah, so Ice Giant Thardus is named after Thardus Spielberg. <laughs> uh, rival bounty hunter Gandreda is named after Gandreda De Palma. <laughs> True. And uh, Emperor Ing is named after Emperor Ing Tarantino. So, uh, of course, it's so. There you go. I, I'm just. Amazed, I haven't made that connection before. It's so obvious when. Uh... Yeah, I know people. People don't think of it, but actually, when you really when you write it down, it just pops. <laughs> out of yeah. Yes. Um. So, I, I'm sure you guys already know this, but for the for the for the re-release, Nintendo's t- slightly tweaked the game. So, in Metroid Prime, Samus has a new visor. Um, mm-hmm. The spoilers visor, which allows Samus to detect and avoid spoilers for all her favorite TV shows and any <laughs> film she's thinking she might go and see. <laughs> very useful very useful yeah. oh I could do with one of those we could all awesome. we could all do with that couldn't we couldn't we lads we could. eh? a spoilers fighter. Oh, I'd love that <laughs> more facts oh, more facts more facts now this whole business about the Maltinas uh, Maltinas Maltesers is flat wrong okay that's just flat wrong what is a real fact however is that um, the uh, the big shoulder um, pads are in fact inspired by ladybirds <laughs> and uh, various other things are true about ladybirds and Samus. They kind of, you know, uh, they're true about both those things. Now, uh, they don't like to fly. Neither of them likes to fly. Both of them uh, are known to eat up to 500 aphids during their lifetime. <laughs> and they both taste like battery acid. <laughs> don't ask me how I know that. Wow. Matthew, have you got a 100% true fact for us? Yeah, I've got another one, yeah. So uh, the second game introduced Dark Samus, Mm. uh, but what a lot of people don't know is that the third game was meant to introduce a third variant, Rainbow Samus, who was just a really cool gal who just liked to party. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So 
a slight tweak to the difficulty uh, in all three Metroids Metroid uh, games in the trilogy, rather than needing to open certain doors with missiles, <clears throat> Samus now needs to eat an entire sixteen ounce steak. <laughs> it Is that using the the the, the Wii remote and the nunchuck? <laughs> yeah, I get, I get, like a, a knife and fork. Like a knife and fork. That's right. It <laughs> takes about forty five minutes, uh, but it really um, yeah really adds something to the game. Yeah, <laughs> the state of her colon by the end of the game, you know, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> She's enormous. So uh, Metroid Prime 3 came out in 2007, which is the same year as uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Um, And Nintendo actually teamed up with Disney for a cross-promotion, which is why some of the space pirates are voiced using Johnny Depp soundbites, including such recognisable quotes as, Mmm, rum, and where's me hat? (laughs) So uh, there you go. Those pirates. That's true. That is true. That is actually true. Here's another fact. Um, Metroid Prime 2 has a new beam for Samus. Uh, yeah. It's like a mud beam and it shoots out mud. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's just what... I always said that's what that game lacked. <laughs> for years, fans have been... Yeah, it's like, oh man, out. what I would do for a mud beam. Um, At last. <laughs> um... Did you know there's a new? Uh, <laughs> did you know there's a new morph ball ability in Metroid Prime Two as well? I didn't know about that, Mark. Yeah, do it, tell me about it. It's called the Gravity Ball. Um, it attracts enemies towards you at incredible speeds, killing Samus instantly on impact. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly useful. <laughs> that is. Uh, that's a that's a pro tip right there. Well, we we knew a lot about that game. We've nailed it. Someone's going to have to basically rewrite the whole Wikipedia page for those games. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Well, should we um, should we give our our research hands and brains a rest and uh, and hop off this uh, true facts platform? I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. And let's yeah, my brain needs needs a rest. Yeah, let's, 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 <laughs> yeah let's switch off our else. switch off our brains for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, nighty night. <laughs> and let's see what that platform over there is. Right. Ooh. After this. Welcome to this lovely new platform that we find ourselves on. Thanks, Alan. Oh, well, that's that's all right. Uh, yeah, so this is a platform where we're going to talk about what we've been playing this week. Mm, this this sort of month, really, because we, have, we haven't been here for, for ages. It's been quite a yeah, long gap between yeah, episodes, yeah. hasn't it? We've been derelict in our duties. So, Matthew, what have you been playing this week? Uh, so, well, I've been playing lots of things because we haven't done a podcast in so long. But what mm. I've been most recently playing is uh, Dying Light. Mm. which is Techland's zombie survival thing. Uh, This is Techland of Dead Island fame. So they're quite keen on people escaping zombies in Mm. weird locations. Um, Dead Island was set on an island. uh, Now, this is is what you listen to the podcast for. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, this is set in a, uh, I think it's a Turkish city called Haran. So it's a bit more kind of industrial. So it should be called Dead Turkey, right? (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that was that that's actually a true fact that's that's what its working title was that the working title okay dead turkey yeah Yeah. dead turkey um so i wasn't looking forward to this game at all um so you really did think it was going to be a dead turkey um yeah i thought yeah i thought it was going to be a yeah whopping great turkey um i didn't like dead island i think dead island's probably one of the worst games I've played on the last generation. I absolutely 
absolutely detest it. Uh, wow. Sort of What's your problem with it, Matthew? Uh, I think it's a complete technical shambles. I think they basically, you know, people say, oh, this game's unfinished when they've hit a little glitch, but that is the worst worst retail release I've ever played in just terms of it broke outright broken, had to restart my game several times. Uh, I felt that a lot of people gave it a critical pass. They sort of reviewed a theoretical version that may exist down the line, and they never really ever properly, properly sorted it. I thought it was always a bit... Yeah, I think Theoretical Gamer gave it a 95%. Didn't yeah, it? exactly. So, uh, <laughs> well, 95% with a question mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This kind of is Dead Island, but it kind of works into, on a technical level. It's the most polished thing Techland have ever made, which I suspect might have something to do with uh, Warner Brothers' involvement. Um, mm. It's the same thing. It's about a big sort of open world sort of sandbox full of zombies, a big focus on quite wonky melee combat. So it's all about picking up sort of table legs and machetes and kind of smashing things in the head and you know, sometimes it's randomised and the head might pop off and it, it's 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 a bit sort of shonky on that front, but they've right. kind of drawn your eye away from the melee combat with, um, there's a, a parkour element to it. So it's kind of oh. first-person parkour. So if you think a bit like Mirror's Edge, Mirror's but Edge, yeah. it's a lot more grounded than that. It's, you know, you don't control this live acrobatic, you know, Mirror's Edge delivery lady. You control this you know, great big chunky bloke who has to kind of heave himself up on everything and it's got quite a nice weight to it. And right. I think on a technical level, they've kind of delivered with the parkour because like the way when you're climbing, his hands like find all the relevant spots and kind of uh, there's a lot of bespoke animations. So it looks quite realistic. It's not, shon- you know, it could be quite shonky, but he kind of clambers up stuff, but it's quite cumbersome. You know, you're not a graceful thing. It's more about like panic to skate. And that yeah. bit's really cool. That's a really cool idea. But I think the, yeah. the, the, it doesn't really do much with it other than force you to do endless fetch quests, which is kind of what Dead Island was as well. It's kind yeah, of yeah. go to this place, get kind of harassed by lots of zombies, except now you can climb up on a roof where no other zombies can get you. So it's a little mm. redundant. Um, it like I, don't, I, I think there's this huge disjunct between a lot of me and a lot of other people in that a lot of people seem to be so in love with just the zombie thing and the zombie yeah. sort of fantasy that they'll, isn't they're it quite, the it's quite satisfying, dead. isn't it? Well, I don't know. Like, why would you want to fight this this mindless mass? Like, I've never got it. I've never loved a zombie game. Like, no, I, I don't really weird. get. And I thought that it was kind of zombies were sort of a bit getting a bit overplayed, but it just it just never ends. It's uh, yeah, I'm, it's... I'm surprised to see people. It still... never stops. You mean like <laughs> yeah. Beyond Dead? Yes, it just keeps. Yeah. yeah no, so <laughs> I I think it might just be that the genre is not for me. Like, I, there's even like games which everyone you know widely agreed are excellent like left for left for dead doesn't do it for me you know i I find it when you fight zombies it's just relentlessly one note it's zombies you know here's loads of zombies and they're like oh but they're coming from a different door but the end result is (laughs) there's still loads of zombies you know it's not like oh the zombies are going to behave differently or that you know and and when they do behave differently it's always completely arbitrary it's like oh here's a fat zombie that explodes here's a zombie yeah. that spits stuff at you and you're like well it's not a zombie then is it it's just like a it's a weird thing yeah. you've made up because well, you realize that zombies fundamentally are like duff as an yeah, enemy but, type um, i think i think like i mean video games by their nature have a lot of enemies that just come towards you you know um yeah and but that that's what frustrates me it's like any and i I think i talked about this on a previous episode but it's like when i found out in mass effect that you know one of the first enemies you come across are essentially just zombies um yeah. mm. they it 
I, I just, but this this fixation on zombies has just meant that there's a complete fall away in any kind of variety in what is a mm. standard enemy type that you kind of have you you kind of have to have in a lot of ways. But mm. it's always a zombie, and yeah, it's just very very dull. Yeah, thing. it just it just doesn't do it for me, and it's it and it's still quite shaky as well. You know, the in the to kind of call it out for storytelling is a bit unfair because you know. 90% of games are kind of duff in that department but you know every character you meet's got quite ropey voice acting and and all the quests they have and they're really arbitrary reasons for you to go and fetch x and often it's something which is like 10 meters away from them and you're like oh come on man like get your act together you know it's kind of like <laughs> oh i need you to go and get this fuel and you're like well there's someone on your doorstep you know you've lazy sod <laughs> you know just leave fetch, your house fetch missions are kind of an essential problem with a lot of video games aren't they there's such an easy way of yeah. making your game longer, um, it's not, like this is just Borderlands has got quite a bit of that. Yeah, I, th- this is the thing. Like as much as I kind of it rubs me up the wrong way, though. Like I still kind of I don't play it because I like it, but it has got me in its like hypnotic grasp because it's <laughs> you're always sort of like a couple of minutes away from you know leveling up something or, or having yeah. you know access mm. to gear to make a new weapon and then you've got like molotovs and you're like oh i may as well go and throw these molotovs at some zombies as i'm here <laughs> i love um, the ennui in your voice there <laughs> yeah i know it, it sounds terrible like it's it's absolutely the opposite reaction of it like it's it's one of the few games i can play where with like a podcast on i can just turn the sound off just listen to a podcast and it's just like i'm doing something with my hands while my ears are working so uh <laughs> but it also it makes it quite sinister so if, you, if you're listening yeah, to like tr- this if you're listening to quite like a sad story on this american life you know if someone's like you know and that's when grandma told us she was gonna die and then it's all about like how she got to terms with her grandma's death and then if you you know my my ears are hearing that but my eyes are looking at me kind of smashing a, a table leg into a guy's face over and over again so there's like a bit of this junk there <laughs> So that's what I've been playing. Uh, Alan, what have you been dabbling with this month? I've been dabbling. Finally, finally, uh, 80 Days has come out on Android. So yeah. I can get me some sweet 80 Days action. I want to hear about this because it is. Uh, I hear about it everywhere. I want to know. I want to know well, about Okay, days. right. Uh, I'm going to assume no knowledge, okay? So it's interactive fiction. Uh, in the sense that you read some stuff and then you can choose different options at the end. The whole conceit of it is around Phileas Fogg and his fav- famous 80-day uh, trip around the world, the, the bet where he has to get around the world in 80 days. Uh, yeah, and um, there's lots and lots of different ways that you can do that. The game starts The game starts with a like a, a kind of seed. So it's kind of slightly procedurally generated as to what options, what routes are going to be open to you, and uh, and you can you know you kind of you know you can uh, uh, influence which way you want to go. Like you can sort of make a bold dash for the North Pole, try and go that way, or you can go through like Paris and then through Russia and mm. you know through Germany and then across Asia, or you could go down towards Africa and sort of go that way. Right. Uh, so there's also kind of different narratives. It's a game that rewards replaying quite a lot. You play as uh, Passepartout, who is um, Fogg's gentleman's gentleman, I suppose is probably the best way to put it. It's assistant. So it's your responsibility to look after Fogg, who um, there's a little bit of a game mechanic where he starts to lose health a little bit. So right. you've got to kind of look after him. So um, every so often you get a choice between um, you can look after Fogg or you can kind of 
talk to someone else who's on the train and see if you can find out another route from, uh, you know, from Berlin to Moscow. The great thing about this game, that what is great about this is uh, this brilliant sense of an unfolding narrative. It's extremely well written. It's an absolute mm. labour of love. I think off the top of my head, there's something like a million and a half words were written for it. <gasps> now, the average oh. short novel is about fifty to 100,000 words. That's a pretty short novel. So if you oh. think about a million and a half, my that Lord. is a lot of writing, a lot of different options, branching, different routes, bits of dialogue, oh. where you can kind of explore different, different uh, parts of the world. So I've played it through probably six or seven times. And there's a brilliant moment where you finish uh, a game of it, which probably takes, what, a couple of hours, something like that, to run through absolute maximum, maybe less. And um, it gives you the option to share on social media the thing that you just did. Now, you know, I've never actually wanted to do that before playing 80 Days. It's mm. the game that made me think, wow, I actually do want to get on social media now and click that thing and say, oh, my God, all these things happened. And then, you know, we got kidnapped by these people and then we had to steal uh, mm. a car and get away from Cairo. And then, mm. you know, we, um, we, we got, our, got ourselves into a kind of a little bit of a romantical in- entanglement with some pirates and all these kind of things. <laughs> Amazing narratives come out of it. Cool. It's extremely well written as well. Uh, really, really engaging prose. So, what's what's a, what's a, some of the uh, stuff that's happened on your adventures well, there now? Well, I have still have not successfully managed to make it across the North Pole. I've tried about three or four times to make it across the North Pole, and I just keep uh, fog keeps dying basically because somebody sabotages the uh, the craft on which I'm, I'm on. But oh, I've had God. all kinds of romantic entanglements with the captain of air crews. I've been kidnapped <laughs> by this. Um, uh, well, in fact, one time I got I got poisoned right as I was um, as I was entering Africa from the west, and I was thinking, oh, oh, I'll just you know I'll be able to have about a week. I had about a week left to make my way north from like uh, Marrakesh sort of area. I was going to make my way back up north, mm. uh, back to London. I thought, oh, I got this, you know, this will be fine. Then I got poisoned, and in order to uh, treat the poison, I had to journey into the middle of Africa to find the cure, and um, so there was a choice. I could either try and make it home and and basically call the bluff of the person who'd poisoned me, yeah. or I could um, I could go <clears throat> deep into deep into Africa and try and find a cure, and then hope I'd be able to make it back in time. That's a really compelling thing because you, you you develop a strong sense of attachment to Fog, and yeah. you really want him to uh, to make his bet. Yeah. Um, so does does the game just end if you? go past 80 days or do you no, just carry on no no the, the game continues until you get back to london or you die what was really interesting about 80 days is that uh, at the time it came out a lot of my uh, staff were obsessed with it so joe and kate who worked on official nintendo were like mad about this game and, and they just kept replaying it and replaying it and replaying it and having completely different adventures every time i've dabbled with it a bit um it stressed me out a bit because i'm very indecisive i'm not very good at games where you cut cut off certain routes mm. yeah really i was good gonna at say of... that yeah I but that's I, the thing you can go back on your next play and, I, and well yeah i know but like I, I always feel like oh no i'm gonna miss out on all this great yeah. stuff and and there are so many variables in the story and it really is incredible but like they were playing it and I, I can't remember which one it was but one of them was saying that um like they ended up like finding the nautilus and captain nemo and going on like an underwater <laughs> adventure what yeah there's all this wow. like the, there are like cool. mad literary Easter eggs hidden throughout it, and all this wow. kind of extra stuff. And it's like crazy ambitious. And a lot of people put it on their games of the year list last mm. year. And you know, I think it just sort of uh, 
in terms of like interactive storytelling, it's a really I think interesting it, direction. I think it's highly enjoyable, and there's a lot of replayability to it. But realistically, it's it's still a mobile experience in the sense that it's not got masses of longevity. You're not going to play it for hours on end, or at mm. least I, I don't imagine people want to play it for hours on end. I mean, I mm. did probably seven or eight playthroughs, and I kind of thought, yeah, I've, I've kind of done my bit now. There are a couple of... Um, uh, slightly repetitive elements to it, particularly the start. Like the number of times I passed through Paris, you basically, mm. I was only ever able to go to Paris or Cambridge. That was in the initial instance, and then everything kind of branches off from there. Mm. Maybe there's other ways to do it, but um, mm. it's a little bit repetitive in the start. The, the thing that bugged me was the um, not really bug, but like that you can buy lots of objects to put in your suitcase, mm. and I was constantly fretting about like. Oh my god! You know, cause you you know, it'll give you like ten random objects, and you're like, do I need a telescope or tea bags or one lady's <laughs> slipper or like a, a hat made of bronze? Like, ah. I don't think you need any of these things, though. That's the thing. I mean, but then you'll I be in the always... middle. Of, you'll be in the middle of China or something, and there'll be a guy who's like, I collect ladies' slippers, and you'll be like, oh god damn it! <laughs> like, <laughs> if only I'd known. Yeah. <laughs> it's very so frustrating. I kind of had um, almost the opposite problem where I bought something because it said oh, if you sell this at such and such a place, it's going to be worth a lot of money. So I thought, ah, if I get this now, and then I make sure I go that way, I'll be quids in. But of course, because of, um, you know, reasons and stuff happening, I ended up getting diverted. One of your romantic entanglements with pirates, Alan, was it? (laughs) I worry for your real life, love life, Al, that you've used entanglement four times to describe people getting off with each other basically or, or getting involved it's <laughs> just I so- getting off Mark? Well, no it just says something that you view it as it getting really ensnared fit. in a, in a really net f- essentially oh they are entangled in this it doesn't uh, really fit the tone lovely. of the game to say getting off <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's a holiday romance or a tryst or a fling probably that's the best way to put it i gotta go and play 80 days if you like games about romantic entanglements with pirates you'll love this <laughs> Eight out of ten, with a question mark from Theoretical Gamer. <laughs> right. Can I do my game now? Oh, go go for it. What have you been playing? I have become a Dragon Age bore over the oh, last... Oh, uh, God. Uh, <sighs> Dragon Age. Dragon Age is... Dragon Age Inquisition is amazing. So I, I, I mentioned, didn't I, on a previous podcast that I'd bought it and had not yet installed it. Now I've installed it and played it. And it is amazing. Uh, did it take you the intervening period to install it? Several uh, months. Yeah, it did. It did. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It did take a while actually. Um, oh man, have either of you played Dragon Age Inquisition? Not Inquisition. No, previous ones. Yes. Oh man, I haven't played any of the Dragon Age before. So, um, oh, and I'll get something out of the way right off the bat. Right. Um, this is a game, and I'm not mocking it. It's actually a very powerful moment um, where at one point. All, all the characters sing the theme song of the game. <laughs> okay. There's not many... Not ga- like 80 Days. They do not sing the 80 Days theme tune. <laughs> ah, that would make it awesome. But there's not many... Yeah, there's not many games... Uh, I'm not about to launch into one of my lists. Uh, there's, not, there's not many games that um, where characters sing the theme song. It's weird. It's good, but, um, you know. And, and like the... It's not like the lyrics are like about the game. We no, collect not. herbs for a living. <laughs> yeah. But that is Do a they weird... say like, Dragon Age, <laughs> Dragon Age, it's the age of the dragons. <laughs> yeah, we they, all fancy they... each other. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they do not do that. I feel like I've got this uh, bit about Dragon Age off to uh, the uh, uh, wrong, <laughs> uh, wrong start. Let's try again. So, 
Um, so I should say I'm not a big like computer RPC. Well, I guess are they still called computer RPGs, whatever they call like American RPGs, essentially action RPGs. Uh, action RPGs. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. We're all kind of console gamers. I know. I think probably Matthew, you had the most sort of PC gaming experience out of out of all of us in the old days. Uh, but I definitely did not have uh, a PC to game on, so mm. I missed out on all these. RPGs. I missed out on a lot of Bioware stuff. Mass Effect is the only uh, um, Bioware. I'm, the world, stuff I'm one of the world's biggest uh, Knights of the Old Republic fans. Yeah, I see, love I, it. I missed out on all that. So I'm, so I'd, I'm actually coming at Dragon Age as a guy who really thought I'm not sure this is for me. You know, I was really, I, I knew it was getting really good reviews, but I thought, oh, you know, it's it, it just seems really big and complicated, and you probably need to know about it. To and it's probably very technical and mm. and statsy. But actually, it's just an amazing adventure, um, and I, I, it's there's only like I think the games that I mean I'm seventy hours now into Christ. playing Dragon Age. Wow, Seven, you know, so I was that guy who was thinking everyone's talking about putting a hundred hours into it or whatever, and I normally cannot see games through for that long. So I thought it was just going to be fifteen hours of awesomeness and then me getting bored. But I cannot. I just I just absolutely love it. Yeah, and and the the only games that have really done this to me, I was thinking about this, are um, Fallout 3, Xenoblade, and probably Borderlands 2. Just just games that, big game, big, big, big games where I've just gone into it and wanted to do everything. The, the minute I've mm. kind of started, I just wanted to see absolutely everything about it. And I just get lost in it. Um, so all the stuff that there is to do is worth doing? Um, I I believe so. So, I mean, it's not... It just feels like it's been crafted so well. Um, you know how in Skyrim, like, um, you know, you'd, you'd go into a town and 10 different people would give you a different quest. And for some reason, it turned out that every, everything they needed was at the bottom of a of some dungeon where mm. where corpses would climb out of coffins at the end and shoot you with magic. Mm. Uh, and it was like, and, and that's why Skyrim just got very sort of... Um, labored for me and i didn't didn't, i'm not sure i ever finished it actually well Um, a lot of games have that don't they even borderlands has a bit of that yeah but dragon age feels like and and i'm gonna and maybe i'm approaching my if it's possible to approach my love of dragon age the wrong way i just feel like the world has been so well put together that everywhere i go and every little mission and every little cave i find and every every little secret is a thing of wonder um so I'm sure the, I haven't read any of the reviews, but I'm sure people have talked about this. I don't know how many big areas there are. I mean, the areas are huge, and one of them is the Storm Coast, which is one of the early ones, which is just um just amazing place to go. Like the way I experienced it was that you know you 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 arrive on a kind of cliff essentially, and or, or a little hill, and you and you go down to the 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 coast and the, these waves are rolling in and the sound is incredible of just this is like these tumbling waves and all these and and there's these kind of sort of geometric sort of rock formations sort of sticking out of the sea and mm. the waves are crashing into them and the and the water's kind of jetting up the side of them it's just amazing um and then i, I found this cave and the cave is like pitch black it's not pitch black in that kind of um you know you 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 ignored the setting at the start of the game that tells you to make the grey shape all but invisible. Yeah, and you, yeah. turned, you turned it up high because you know otherwise high. you can't see anything and then you can see everything in the caves and everything. It's proper pitch black and these spiders are coming at me 
and the walls are all glistening wet and all my magic from and all the attacks from my party are lighting up this this dark cave it's incredible and you can hear the wind whistling through um incredible and then and i'm sure a lot of people talked about this after that you emerge from this cave back out onto the coast and in the distance, there's a, a giant attacking a dragon. <laughs> so you can just watch this happening <laughs> over the distance. And that, is, and that is something that is just, I think, repeated throughout the game. It's like every, every Skyrim and, and Fallout to a certain extent, and, and they were big, big, big worlds where you could walk quite a long way and not really see anything. And then it would be something fairly interesting dotted here and dotted here. Mm. Um Dragon Age is huge, but I feel it's much denser than those games. It's like you can, it's literally you, you, you walk over to something and you'll find two or three little interesting things on the mm. way. Like a GTA or, or Far Cry 4, at, when they're both at their best, is, is that they're both alive worlds, right? Yes, but I don't, I don't think either Far, I mean, GTA is a good looking game and Far Cry is a good looking game, but I think Dragon Age has been, it's almost been painted it just look the, the the look of it. They, I, mean, I mean, it helps. I think that it's got those kind of classic sort of retro world themes. You know, you got ice world, um, forest world, sea world. Mm. You know, um, swamp world. Um, but they all look so good. It's such an amazing looking game um, with some amazing looking people. Am I right? <laughs> well, I don't. So <laughs> I don't. I don't know if this happened in the previous Dragon Ages. Because uh, I've only played the as Mass Effect, like I say. But my party members are having affairs with each other. I think oh, don't dear. don't I have exclusive rights over over this? <laughs> yeah, you want to assume the really massively unprofessional harassment techniques of Commander Shepard? <laughs> hey, you should you know, tell who... your um, you should say what you what you were telling me the other day. Yeah, tell me what your um, <laughs> your your morals are in uh, Mass Effect, Al. Well, my morals in Mass Effect. Well, uh, when I came to play uh, Mass Effect Three, um, I had pretty much had enough of um, essentially sleeping my way around the crew in Mass Effect Two. I thought, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be professional here. I'm going to, you know, keep it together for the sake of the mission. I don't want to be sort of getting into business <laughs> with all of the crew, which I pretty much did uh, last time around. I think it's really unprofessional. I, I think that's, like, really, I think that's really, really sweet, playing Shepard like he's, he's the manager in an office. And he's not, well, yeah, he's not well, gonna... very much, yeah, it's a leadership role. <laughs> I think of Shepard very much as a line manager uh, when it comes up to, um, you know, end-of-year performance reviews. Uh, let's try and keep it professional. Yeah. I haven't... Um, so, I... I mean, this is why I'm probably not the best person to talk about Dragon Age from a from a sort of Bioware game perspective because I don't I don't get into the story I think quite as and the romancing quite as much as um, other people, even though it's obviously a key selling point. Um, but I'm just having, uh, yeah, I'm just spending practically every minute of my day just doing every mission I can find and just finding amazing things. So anyway, that's that's uh, that's my. Um, this is very intriguing. The... I mean, I, I've I've always been trying to. I I, I loved Knights of the Old Republic. Um, felt I, I enjoyed Mass Effect, um, particularly the earlier games. I thought Mass Effect Three went way off the boil and just like lost it, just threw it away completely. Um, but Dragon Age, I'd always I, I kind of it's. I started playing um, the first one and found myself getting lost. It was it was almost too big. There was almost too much to do. Yeah. Well, I wanted it like to steer me. I'm yeah. like, like, 
I remember some character saying something about where I roughly where I was supposed to go, but there was no indication of where that was. I needed a little bit more handheld handholding, yeah. and then I just got. I just got kind of cheesed off with it in the end and uh, and played something else. That's exactly how I felt about Inquisition. Um, uh, but because I just struck out and went, well, I'm just going to see what I can find. Just You just find loads of amazing things. Um, so you, you never get bored. Um, and it's all, it's all just beautiful. So yeah, that's the hot news from the rotating platform. Dragon Age Inquisition is a very good game. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Matthew, sorry. Uh, did, did you have any Dragon Age opinions? No. Good. Well, that way. <laughs> that's the I've end of this platform. It. <laughs> it's all my staff writer ever talks about at work, and it drives me up the wall because I, cause I, when you've not played something, but it's clearly amazing, but I just don't have the time for it right now. Hmm. No one has the time for it. No one. I mean, nah, I don't know. it's just too. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't do it. I haven't got space in my enough space in my heart for a Dragon Age. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's a real problem, isn't it, with with games like that that are almost intimidatingly large. Yeah, you just kind of you just don't you can't even go anywhere near them. No, That's but like, shame, a, really. but if if they get it right, then like with Fallout and Xenoblade, then I'm just uh, you can't pull me out of them. I'm I'm just yeah. there well, for I'm, forever. I'm still chipping away at Xenoblade. Yeah, like all the 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 rebuilding whatever it is. Mm, yeah, city. the building of the city. Uh, city yeah. Oh yeah, man alive. Borderlands is quite good at that, isn't it? Borderlands is quite good for dipping in, just doing like a couple of missions and then coming out and then you can go and play something else, dip back in. Yeah. It's quite good like that. Yeah. Hooray for big video games that are good. Yes. (laughs) What a bold statement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, uh, what's that in the distance? Yeah, okay. Oh, it's kind of coming closer now. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's a kind of spinning disc. Uh, and it's, I'd say it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of coming towards us at a level where I think we could make it if we kind of, you know, coil up like springs and then leap like panthers. In the middle then, of you, um, in the middle of you talking about that, we both already jumped onto the next platform. Yeah, wait, oh, uh, oh, right, okay. Uh, in which case, now this. Oh, hark! I hear beautiful <laughs> music. I hear beautiful music coming from somewhere. This oh, yeah. must be the uh, acapella game tunes platform. Oh. It's the voices of the angels. I thought my time on this earth was finished. <laughs> it may feel. And, it and, may. And f- they're singing the theme tune from Metal Gear Solid. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just that's like... what I want to hear. Like when I die, I want to hear the sound from you know, <laughs> from Metal Gear Solid. What the end noise? No, Snake! no. When, when you die, Snake! <laughs> I want to hear. I want the sound of a of a dying Pac Man. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. But yeah, that's sort of yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's so, not that. So that's the that's the end of the what video gamers want to hear when they die platform. <laughs> and now we can get back to the acapella uh, game choose platform, uh, where um, you, the listener, sings us your sweet renditions of video game tunes, past and present, and uh, we try to recognise them. And we fail to recognise it. Yeah, we try and fail. So this week, a bit of a twist, we have something sent in by a rival podcast, one of our one of our horrible rivals, who we try not to acknowledge, but um, because they've sent us this, we're going to have to acknowledge them. It's a contractual so, obligation, yeah. So we've had um, something from Joe Scrabbles, who is an old friend of yours, Matthew, I believe. I, I employed him, no less. And what's he? So what podcast is he involved in? So their podcast is called Chat Very Good. Yeah. Which uh, the initials, of course, are 
CVG, and they are all. I think it's it's like ex CVG people. Um, yeah. So it's a very. T- tell us how good the podcast is, Matthew. Uh, they're kind of like us, but with more bum jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, but I think them. they'd be they'd be quite proud of that. So it's not like I'm being mean. Like, I'm suddenly. No. I I think I think I should go over there. <laughs> I think uh, it's been my natural home. Um, but yes, it's got some very good people on Joe Scrabbles, uh, Tamor, Chris Scullion, people. Um, yeah. It, it, Used to be with the Future London, all really good, super smart, super switched on guys. Yeah, I met Joe um, at a video game event uh, a few months ago now. Lovely guy, very nice. And uh, yeah, so this is a kind of plug for for their their, podcast. That's outrageous how they've done that. (laughs) But shall we see? So shall we see what they've sent us? If Uh, if it's them singing their own theme tune, I'm going to be really cross. Yeah, we yeah. If it cuts here, then yes, that's, that's what's what happened. Listen <laughs> to chat. Very good. La, 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 la. Yeah, it's like that. You've just given yeah, them a. It, you've just given them an advertising jingle. Yeah, idiots. just use that, chaps. <laughs> right, let's have a listen. This so uh, this is hopefully a game tune that they and I think they've they've all or, or more than one of them is involved in singing uh, this. Oh, okay. Hello, this is the chat. Very good team, and this is our performance. Ba. I know what that is. Yeah. Multiple voices, I'm impressed. I thought they were warming up. Is it Star Wars? <laughs> it's a, it's a Papers, Please. Oh, is it? Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it really doesn't work at all. You have to beat that out. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that sort of thing doesn't fly on our podcast. Potty uh, mouth. <laughs> so Papers, Please, you reckon? That was Papers, Please. Wow. So was that because of the quality of the performance you got that? Or is it no, just it's just because very... that's, that's how Papers, Please goes. <laughs> yeah, it does that's actually sound That's how I identified it. So that's I used the this science thing of it is that song. Yes. Pretty good. It's good, isn't it? Well done, chaps. Very nice. I've only played the sort of early version of Papers, Please, which I don't think had a, a, a theme tune at that point. It had so. a much happier theme tune. <laughs> Working at the border, here and all those passports. It's so fun. It's kind of Papers, like Car please. Wash by Rose Royce, but, you know, yeah. set in a Soviet country. Oh, well, thanks very good. Thanks very good. <laughs> Thanks very good, chat very much podcast. <laughs> You're an idiot, Green. You're an idiot. Thanks that... very good. Thanks I'm... very good. <laughs> Thanks very much, uh, I should say, to chat very good. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, as they've as they've uh, do listen to their podcast, and yeah, let's try and think of something we can send them to include on theirs. So. Well, the only th- the only way we'd get included on there is if we send them some obscene anecdote about ourselves, <laughs> yeah. which unfortunately we're not going to do. I've got about 20 of those uh, left on the cutting room floor from <laughs> previous episodes. So <laughs> Most of them me. <laughs> yeah. um, listeners, did you enjoy that performance? Did it spark a uh, some musical creativity in your voice box? Then send us your own a cappella game tunes and we will try and recognise them. Um, don't make them too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> We're not very good. Um, yeah, email them over to trp at the rotating platform dot com. We would welcome them. 
And now we are going to say goodbye to this platform. Goodbye. Goodbye, platform. platform. And hello, next platform, right after this. It is the year 3000, and the world is currently collapsing in on itself after what we only refer to as the event. Mankind is perishing in the flames, and our only hope is a giant (laughs) space arc, which is going to take us to a new planet, a new home. Uh, yes, we're so we're so matter of fact about it now. Well, you have <laughs> to be like, like <laughs> I just—it's a serious matter, Greener. I, I just don't think it's a time for larking around. Uh, well, I mean, well, true. to be fair, that's... once you've seen you know two or three hundred flailing bodies, uh, semi-burnt, semi-flayed, you know, you've seen them all smashing against the window. You've seen them all, really, haven't you? Well, yeah, you develop a sense <laughs> of humour about it. Yeah, kind but, of little, just look, notice little details. Oh yeah, look at the hair on that one. Mm. But the reason that we are able to chat jauntily about this horrendous situation is that we are inside the space arc, uh, deciding which video games we're going to rescue from Earth. Uh, you yeah. know, as we've only got limited space, uh, we are trying mm. to save cultural artifacts. For some reason, uh, the three of us have been asked to decide what those games are going to be. Uh, Everybody pitched... else is on fire. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> everyone, yeah. all the other games journalists died in a horrible, horrible fire. Uh, well, everyone did. I mean, that's just a given. Um, so yeah. uh, we're yeah. the only ones that are the right temperature to be able to carry this. Exactly. Off. We're the, yes, we're <laughs> the only one with with flesh in our fingers, capable of touching buttons. Um, <laughs> uh, but not that uh, that's necessary in the year three thousand, of course. But yeah, no. we obviously we don't want to take junk into space with us. So the way we're doing this is that we propose games, and the other two listen, and they can veto them. You just have to get another vote, and then the game is on board. Uh, this week, uh, we have decided to do the genre of turn-based strategy games. Um, that's right, um, and we'll have some. Uh, and obviously, we ask uh, the people from the year. 2015, all those uh, <laughs> centuries ago, to help us out. Yeah. Um, this we get a lot of confused yeah, just, messages just... about what's happening in the future and why we're asking this, but we, we yeah. don't. We don't we and don't. They, they, you know, they keep like banging sticks together and kind of smashing their head against the computer. They're so primitive, those people. <laughs> I like that we. I like that we have to lie to them. They're like, we're like, if you had to, if, just theoretically, <laughs> 2015, if you had to save three turn-based strategy games from a burning planet, what three would they be? And then everyone's like, why, why are you asking this? What's, what's the deal with that? And you're like, it's theoretical. Don't worry. I know, there's something kind of poignant about writing a tweet that's like, you know, what, what game would you throw us... Yeah, if you know, if, just imagine you were sinking into the lava and you had one, one minute to to rescue your favourite turn-based strategy game, and everyone treats it very as though it's a frivolous frippery. Yeah, um, there's something very sad and poignant about that. So uh, feel for us, please, uh, everybody. Feel for us. Yeah, please. Yeah, it's difficult. Just remember difficult. who's who's having the difficulties here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll so, have some uh, we'll have some listener. Um, choices later on yeah but, but first um, up uh Rina, i would like to hear your proposal for what yeah. you'd like to to store in the space arc yep and it's advanced wars on game boy advance so uh, uh the twitter users vox humana which is a great twitter name says advanced wars enough said doesn't feel they have to say anything else or maybe they just got a mouth, mouth full of lava we'll make for a couldn't... dull podcast session wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> moving on so next thing. And, yeah so and then we... dino dan whose full twitter name is dino dan raw which i think is cute uh yeah. he suggested advanced wars as well 
So yeah, we've got, uh, we've got uh, a number of people giving Advance Wars mm. some love on Facebook. We've got Clark oh, okay. Jones, we've got Luke Summerhays, we've got Stephen Smith all giving a shout out to Advance Wars. Oh great! Oh, so it was. So we did have. Uh, it was quite a popular one. So yeah, Advance Wars is. Uh, it's just. It, it's like. It's exactly. If you haven't played it, it's exactly how you'd imagine a turn-based war game to come out if Nintendo did it. It's developed by. Is it Intelligent Systems? Systems. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't think it's massively well known that it came out of a NES, uh, a, a Japanese <clears throat> original Japanese version called Famicom Wars. Uh, obviously, really, that was never released in the West. So, Advance Wars is what most people think of as the as the first game. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's often talked about in terms of being a bit like chess or a sort of rock paper scissors kind of thing. Um, you you just have um, a bunch of different units, all of which are strong against certain other units and weak against certain other kinds of units. <clears throat> and it's played on a on a on a um, on a small map. Um, and it's top down, uh, and yeah, so you're just moving your units around and trying to wipe out the opposition forces. It's got this kind of ridiculous narrative wrapped around it, where like various anime esque characters are just kind of all having a great time being at war with each other and, and acting like kind of siblings. <laughs> the dialogue just, is something else, isn't it? Uh, I never really got into all that kind of kind of nonsense, um, but it plays really, really well. Um, <clears throat> it it's I think where the key. Uh, appeals of it is just how cute it is you know all the little troops are all dead nice on the on the tiled board and um you know i really the way that when you took an opponent's base the little man would be like stamping on top of it um it's just it's just got a really nice uh aesthetic um and it's just very satisfying you know the the, the tanks destroy the the little men um, I can't remember what some of the other some of the other sort of um, it's like Pokemon in a way, isn't it? It's, yeah, you know, there's, a, kind there's of like a power triangle kind of... between everything. It, yes, exactly. Do you think there's enough depth though to it? I'm just going to probe your uh, probe your <laughs> well, assumption. Well, I think I say to you guys before, like that, I have this horrible feeling that I've never played past a tutorial in Advance Wars <laughs> because, like, when I played Advance Wars two, or when someone was talking to me about it when it came out. They were like, or they were talking about how you could create units from your bases, and I was like, "Oh well, that ruins Advance Wars because the beauty of Advance Wars is you have a set number of units here and you have a set yeah, number no, of units it. there." And and then they were like, "No, that's that's just a tutorial." Like <laughs> later on in the original, you two get you get to generate units, doesn't it? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So a lot of my love for Advance Wars has been, in a way, Alan, that I thought it it. it did lack depth in a good way. It, it was very much like a puzzle game. You had yeah. you had this situation and there was a right way. And, and in a lot of the tutorial rounds, I think it is like that. There's a, there is a kind of right way to do it or you, can, or you can find an optimal way to defeat the enemy on the other and side. And you're given a set amount of uh, units yeah, to do it with. Right? That's right. But yes, I think it does get deeper later on. So I've heard. <laughs> I can't believe you're you're like the champion of this game. This game's entire fate relies on you. It's almost as bad as Resident Evil. Yeah, but the beauty. No, it's not as bad as that. I, I, feel, I, like propose, video, I, think, I feel like all my um, credibility is dribbling away uh, with every week that we do. That we do this I think we should like. get the cart and we should just dip it in the lava and melt away. <laughs> wherever greener didn't get to <laughs> but then i'd never get to play the. I'd yeah but i just want everyone rest. on the arc to know that it was your fault <laughs> oh 
So, mm. um, it, yeah, I mean, uh, Advance Wars is very, um, is much loved, I think. Um, it's, there's something very odd about it. it. It's, you know, it's exactly what, like I say, it's exactly what you'd imagine from Nintendo. But the fact that, like, fighter jets are streaming out of the sky and obliterating men on the ground is treated in a very cartoonish kind of, like, um, mm. happy-go-lucky way, which is a, a bit odd, but... Um, well, it's kind of appropriate for us, though, isn't it? Treating human misery with as light a touch as possible. That's right. The motto of the space arc, uh, in Latin, but it's in Latin. Yeah, that's emblazoned on the side. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, really lovely game. I didn't really get massively into the sequels. What was that one they did where it all went super dark? Um, oh, uh, Days of Ruin. Days of Ruin, that's right. Yeah. That was grim. So, that was all kind of like, there's one bit of bread left on Earth and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, Jesus, that sounds terrible. Days of Ruin is so grim. It makes our reality in the year 3000 look pretty sweet. Well, Days of Ruin guys would be like, oh, man, what I'd give for some lava. Well, you could toast the bread. It's like the most most unhappy game Nintendo have ever made. Oh, well, then we should preserve the original then because it's uh, fully in keeping with the Nintendo ethos of friendship and happiness. Um... And uh, yeah, I give you a, the lovely Advance Wars. I should. Oh, sorry. Just before I give you Advance Wars, I should say that the game that I almost picked um, for Space Arc, and one other person mentioned it was Pikmin D. Uh, they said Sid, My- Sid Meier's Civilization will while away millennia on the Ark, with the benefit of preparing you to conquer a new planet as Shakazulu. Well, that is true. Yeah, and there's a lot to be said for that. I've got Civilization the original. Uh, I'm not sure which one. I mean, they're all Sid Meier Civilization. So if yeah, I'd but... have put, <clears throat> I'm not sure which one they meant. But if I'd have put one in, I would have gone for Civilization Five, which is the mm-hmm. one I've played the most of. Um, I love Civilization, and you know, in in some ways, Advance Wars is like you know Nintendo's little miniature cuddly Civilization. Um, it's true. I did find it difficult to choose between a, a kind of cuddly. Nintendo-y turn-based strategy and a big serious one like Civ Five, which I love. Um, mm. So I just thought I'd mention that. But Advance Wars is is what I'm giving you. Mm. Lay into me. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, it's clearly a great game, and it's got a lot of love from uh, listeners, which is a very very strong side, I suppose. Part of me, I don't know, part of me is worrying about whether it's got the, you know, the legs, but hmm, enough people think it has. Matthew, what do you, what's your take I'm, on this? I must like, it's again, it's it's a game which I like, I admire, but I'm I'm so bad at it. Like, I'm really bad at strategy games. This will be a, this will be a theme throughout this space arc. Um, mm. Like, I'm terrified of the genre. I, I'm, I'm a proper control one thing at a time. I'm not very good at planning stuff out mm. terrible at chess and even advanced oh, wars which is like ultra sweet is is almost too much because of the building units having to make any kind of decision about resources like yeah. it's just it's just that's me like out wait, but, but not wait. to the point can, where i can... wouldn't put it on the arc because it's like i appreciate that it is a, a fine example of, of the the genre and it's the it's the it's that Nintendo accessibility. I know they've made the most accessible strategy game ever, probably. Yeah. Arguably. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's not a genre for me, but like I would personally put it on board uh, because I, you know, if not that, what? <laughs> That's a good point. Actually, it's kind of like how Pikmin is—they made the most accessible real-time strategy game. Yeah. And uh, Advance Wars is the um, is the turn-based equivalent. Yeah. 
I mean, look how many listeners have voted for it. It's hugely yeah, popular. Yeah, but they're, they're so. all, like, don't worry about them. They're all dead. Yeah, that's true. 2015 <laughs> people. Yeah, I mean, yuck. Am I right? <laughs> so I, so what, what's the verdicts then? I missed them. I think it's got to go in, really, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've been mad to. not to put it in. Yeah. Damn right. Damn right. Great. I'm very pleased. And a very small um, addition to the space. A tiny little uh, GBA cartridge. So yeah. we, we've got plenty of room left for uh, for other stuff. So that's nice. We've got, we got we, we really got to start thinking about that. Things are getting crowded in here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, building on what I just said, you know, I've, I've kind of gone with a I've gone with a game which I think is technically a turn based strategy game in that there are turns and there is a strategic element, but it's, it might not be considered a traditional you know, kind of like uh, uh, Advanced Wars style game. Uh, I'm going to pick mm. the original Worms, uh, Worms 1, mm. uh, which I played on the Amiga. I'll start off because there's probably some people rolling their eyes. I think Worms has... <laughs> probably, you can see us doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Worms has, like, run it... Uh, it's going to sound dumb when I say it's run itself into the ground because that's where Worms live. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> worms have, like... Team Top 17 quality. have, like, destroyed, like, any goodwill towards Worms, I think, just by That's true. endlessly, you know, just constantly oh, mining it, drilling it. And, and I, I don't think they've ever... I think every iteration they've done, they've gotten further and further away from yeah. what I loved about Worms 1, which is that... I played I it, Worms 3 on a tablet the other day. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, like, so <laughs> the, big, the big thing... I like that noise. The big thing about... Worms 1 is you had all these objects, all these items, and like pretty much very, very few of them could kill outright. Like the most powerful things could do like 50 or 75 damage, and you had like a health of 100 or whatever. Um, hmm. I'm assuming everyone knows what Worms is. Like, who's listening to yeah. this? Uh, two yeah, teams yeah. of worms taking it in turns to sort of shoot each other with, with cartoon weapons. But the, the, yeah. The, the kind of the, the little trick was in the first one is occasionally you'd get crazy super powered weapons which were either incredibly accurate like a homing missile or you know it, it would destroy like a big chunk of the map and for some reason something changed in the developers' heads and they went oh the game should just be about that it should just be about dropping like nukes on each other and it, then it just yeah. became a game where you blow up half the map with like a giant uh, concrete donkey and uh, you know carpet yeah. bombs and all this kind of stuff and it was just it became horrible yeah but gimmickry. i think i think to be fair my memories of the original worms were that it was it the idea was a lot more interesting and funny than the actual execution but, in that the you spent a lot of time it felt very random and it felt very hard you know it it, it, it didn't feel like it, it didn't feel like a skill game. It felt like luck. But it and, is a skill. But it was. But that's that's well, what that's what I liked it, about it. In that there were elements. There were def, there were elements of that would kind of change things, like wind speed and whatnot. So everything, every weapon you aimed, and then you selected the power. And there was actually there was a that was part of the strategy, though. It was knowing that well, this turn I did X and it achieved this, and I was that close to this worm. And you know, next turn, if I remember to do that, you could kind of sort of like you know tweak your strategy a bit but then they might move but did that, that work change... i mean i i just i just felt that the combination of the wind and the very hard arc of the whatever it was the bazooka whatever the the the, the default weapon was it just led to just you know you i was very rare to play a game where um you ever, ever got to execute on what you were trying to achieve well, you know well no but you see that's what i like about worms that's i mean worms um 
it's absolutely hilarious because you're going to get it wrong. You're going to mistime that grenade. You're going to end up ninja roping and uh, jumping and trying to do oh. an elaborate manoeuvre with the jetpack, and it goes wrong. That's comedy yeah, gold There's time. nothing funnier than ninja roping yourself, like like halfway across the map, like stringing them together and then still ending up in the ocean. Because it's just like, <laughs> it's like the grand so finale. Good. You're like, like, hey, everyone, check this out, and then you die instantly. <laughs> <laughs> Not one second to go and you end up blowing yourself yeah. up. It's well, so good. We, I'm, In my mind, it's quite a strategic game because I played it with the same person, me and my friend Craig. We would play it endlessly. I'd go around his house, we'd play it on the Amiga. So we both got quite good into it. And, and, and the game took a certain direction because we both, you know, we'd have certain things that we'd kind of return to and lean on. So we'd often, we'd play, they always refer to it as dark side rules, which are, lots of digging and lots of mining into the landmass so it's not just about blowing them into the sea like you know we'd end up digging in you'd end up with this huge network of tunnels and you'd be like planting Mm. mines trying to dot dynamite on each other and that actually really focused the game so maybe like i'm nostalgic for a version of the game that i played like but in Mm. my head that was a strategic game um that whole that whole thing of of the comedy of screwing up your move it, it just, I get it, but it just happens again and again and again and again. It's like if, it's like if you went bowling with friends and the first person who tried to bowl a ball, they kind of trip up and they fall flat on their face and the ball flies off into someone's burger and everyone thinks that's funny and, it's, and it is funny. But then that happens the next 27 times. Oh, and by that, that point, you're kind of like, times, no I'd, be, I'd be laughing my ass off. Like, go, do you remember that time we went bowling and 27 people ended up with bowling balls in their burgers? That was hilarious. That was, what are the chances oh, of that well, happening? Maybe I've, maybe I've argued my worms into the space art then on that. Uh, I, would dr- on that I would dream of that. And that's, like, trust me... I would not let any worms since Worms One come near the ark, mm, mm, but I'd be the first yeah. person to, well, to kick them into. This the, is interesting. You're going to come into conflict with Mr. Grant Jones at this point, oh, Matthew. What does he say? Because he says Advanced Wars is a must, but I'm going to suggest Worms Armageddon, even though the name could be a touchy subject, <laughs> unless the event <laughs> is caused by a genuine concrete donkey descending from the heavens. This game should add some much-needed humour to break up the monotony <laughs> of w- watching humans melt at the expense of having a few games consoles taking up space on the Ark. Just mm. to be awkward, I'd insist eight PCs are taken, even though there are only three of us up there, so we total waste, or with chunky <laughs> CRT monitors, so local multiplayer can be enjoyed via LAN. Uh, yeah, and uh, Stephen Smith says, good shout out with, with Worms. He says, uh, that reminds me of its inspiration, Scorched Tanks on the Amiga. Mark, Scor- wait, wait, Scorched Earth, wasn't it? Well, he says here, Scorched Tanks. I had a game mm. on the Amiga that was just called Tanks with an X, which was a tank at either end of a map firing, and you'd get like a little bit closer every time. Yeah, I remember that. Firing back that. and forth. We played a lot of that before we got into Worms. <laughs> it probably makes sense. All right, so scor- so not scorched earth. Worms is going in then. Basically, yeah. you guys are both saying yes. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, that's a travesty. I, 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 you know, it kind of feels like Rayman raving rabbits is going into me. That's kind so of get get out of here. It's a cracking game. You're going to find out, my friend. You've got a long time to find out. Is that I've put in a game which I played so much that I found out how brilliant it was. You put in a game you didn't play until you found out how brilliant it was. <laughs> so. We're trusting Mr. Tutorial Green on this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. Well, you got you got it in. You got it yeah, in. Yeah, I so know. We're I'm all still, still going to be educated. 
You're you're going to learn the the, uh, the true beauty of worms. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Um, Alan, what are you going to teach me the beauty of? <laughs> Love. Well, <laughs> that's a leading question. I'm going to uh, what I'm going to suggest we include in the space hog is the game Chaos by Mr. Julian Gollop on the ZX Spectrum. On the ZX Spectrum and yeah. uh, subsequent remakes, countless remakes, and uh, he's done a recent uh, one, hasn't he? Sorry. He did a recent Kickstarter. Was it Kickstarter? The, the yeah. Chaos Reborn. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. a Kickstarter for Chaos Reborn, which uh, is very different. I've only seen mm. a little bit of YouTube footage of that, and uh, I'm going to withhold judgment. I don't know. It's so completely different from um, mm. from Chaos, you know, from the original. Mm. Watch this space. I don't know. I'll be very intrigued to to play it when it, you know, when I get the opportunity. What? Yeah. So uh, you somehow Chaos... haven't you somehow haven't managed to do it in the last nine hundred and eighty six. Oh, years. So, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just on my on my pile of shame, waiting to you know, just, <laughs> just, just next time. It's gonna get there. It's gonna get there. Pile uh, of shame. People are living on the pile of shame. It's so big. It's actually <laughs> safe ground from the fire. Yeah, it's stacked up so high, rises above the lava. Well, it's going to be awkward when you have to like take one of those games out to actually play it, and there's people teetering <laughs> on the top. You're just going to jet them me. into the fire. <laughs> Excuse me. Hang on. Yeah, no, I need to get to that copy of Chaos. <laughs> no, like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. It's right in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to do that thing people do with Jenga where they use a karate chop to whoosh, yeah. just like get it out of the bottom and so, I have never seen that work so, bad, bad, news, guys, bad news guys I've got a real hankering for Shadow Man so there it is <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh no that's the very foundation that's, of our that's entire that's a phrase colony. I haven't heard for a long time <laughs> hankering for Shadow Man <laughs> good game <laughs> oh boy anyway where were we right chaos yeah chaos, so yeah. um for the uninitiated chaos is um a very simple game even for the spectrum the graphics are very simple mm. it's set in a, a sort of rectangular grid and there are up to eight wizards and <laughs> you can have as many um players or computer control characters as you want and those um wizards are casting spells which you can create monsters which you can then command and move around you know, to go and kill the other wizards, or you can ride some of them as mounts, or you can uh, do stuff like uh, make a magic forest appear around you, and then you go, you can hide inside the trees and get more spells, or you can mm. give yourself armor or shoot a magic bolt, or this kind of stuff. Loads of different spells, right? Yeah, yeah. And there are lots of little, little kind of details that make this a superb game. It's all in the mechanics. It's a real mechanicsy type game. Uh, one of the best mechanics in it is. Um, you, if you cast um, a really strong thing, like a golden dragon, right, as a super powerful uh, creature, so the chance of the spell succeeding is is low. However, you can say you want it to be an illusionary animal, and uh, it will it'll hundred percent guarantee to work. However, mm. every um, wizard has access to a spell called disbelief, so you can you know wipe out. So, so it's like a there's always the risk when you see some animal appear you think is this real or not yeah. am i going to use my turn to disbelieve it or not because you, yes. you pick what move you're going to do like everybody picks what move they're going to do and then the moves happen so um you can't kind of suddenly decide to to change tack or something this like sounds that. brilliantly nerdy oh it's it kind of is it is quite nerdy i suppose nerdy it's in not, the sense well, of dungeons not... and dragons nerdy yeah, it's not nerdy by the standards of like nineteen eighties video it's like, games. It's, 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 it's like eight wizards deciding whether or not they believe animals are there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, that's insane. 
It's very philosophical. <laughs> it's a very philosophical video game. No, I don't think that's like that Bob Dylan lyric, isn't it? <laughs> the princess and the princess discussed what is real and what is not. Yeah. <laughs> I that, see. Um, but it's awesome, though, isn't it, Alan? It's awesome. It is a fantastic game. I mean, it's another uh, game where you really need to be in a room full of people playing it, and you take turns and you go through it. And you have uh, to like, it, and it doesn't. It doesn't cater for playing together in the sense that each each player has to pick their spell each round from a big list on screen. So yeah, everyone you have has to, to literally turn around and not look at the screen yeah. or um, it'll, it'll it's, be it's given pre-internet, away. It's pre-internet, it's pre-split screen. Yeah, um, it does right. require a bit of, you know, but you are the lowest kind of human life if you look at another person's list of spells, okay? Mm, that's that's right. just, you know, I've just, I could not countenance that behaviour. It sounds, uh, like a, it sounds like a board game digitised. It's exactly yeah, what it is. That's yeah, exactly what it is. That. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Julian, if I remember right, Julian Gollop created the board game before he created the Spectrum version. So yeah, it is actually a board game. Um, so yeah, but it, but it does works. stuff that video games, you know, do very well. Like the fire would spread out and stuff like that. You know, it has the, the kind of randomised elements to it, which are there's good. A, there's a real feel of peril at all times. It's like the the board is so small. If you've got like the eight wizards, they're only about four um, spaces apart from each other, all around the edges. Mm. Um, and so um, immediately, as soon as someone casts their first monster or does their first spell, you're like, oh, blimey, I'm, I'm screwed. This is it. That <laughs> thing's going to get me in like two turns. And the wizards are quite yeah. weak. Um, and uh, yeah, so you just, it, for, for the time, it looked really, really good. It's very simple, as Alan says, and basic, but everything's animated. Um, and some of the effects yeah. are actually quite quite nice for the time. Um, it's simple but clearly drawn, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just a black background with these sort of sharp figures on it, you know, and yeah. everything's quite clear what it is. And it's, you know, it's the forerunner of all Gollop's brilliant games, some of which we'll talk about in a sec because yeah. listeners have voted uh, for which, them. Personally, it's my favourite among them. Um, it, it's not even the first one I played. I played uh, Laser Squad before mm. playing Chaos, because I think I only played Chaos when it was given away on the front of a magazine. Your Sinclair, was it your Sinclair? yeah. Yeah, it was your Sinclair. So I don't think I'd even seen the cover art until relatively recently. So I I, I should say at that point that um, Jay Gale, um, the uh, hero of Far Cry 3, took a break from um, chasing after Pagan Min to tell us that uh, as my tears evaporate on the ash pile of Time Splitters 2, which is a game we just... <laughs> Callously, people could not believe we threw that into the. <laughs> I know. It's Move on. People were Get just oh. gobsmacked. Um, Jay says, <laughs> "I will attempt to add Laser Squad on Spectrum to the Ark. A great game for its time. Fully customizable loadouts, memorable characters. Sterner Regni- Regnix, Alan, Battle Droid. Uh, yeah, ba- memorable like characters that, yeah. like Battle Droid was he, One. <laughs> was he one of the guys with the proton packs or with a laser rifle thing?" Oh you, oh, you got me. I was more of a Rebel Star man. I'll talk about that later. And Destructible Scenery also gave birth to the XCOM series, which we'll also talk about in a minute. Don't make, don't melt my childhood castle. Bye, says Jay Go. I would put, I would put both Chaos and Laser Squad in. Matthew, what do you, what, what do you think about Chaos and then Laser Squad? I really like the idea. Oh, uh, Chaos sounded great, but when Alan said it was like a, a cage fight for wizards. That's like me sold. That's brilliant. I love the <laughs> idea of that. 
You, oh, Matthew, well, if, you, I, really, I, you, if you haven't played Chaos, I strongly recommend you do it. I'm kind of imagining like MMA, so like a really noisy MMA arena, but then with like eight really frail old men in the cage, <laughs> like looking terrified, Pretty much. but also yeah. bubbling with immense wizarding power. Yeah, so, so like, you're you're imagining it with the with the audio visuals of a two thousand uh, uh, a three a year three thousand uh, video is game. That not, is that not uh, what chaos is like? No, not, not, not really. We should we should like, have a. Go- is it a visual feast? Because <laughs> <laughs> I only want it in if it's a visual feast. I think mm. it looks nice. I think it looks nice, but I, it's so inburned, you know. So it's so just burned into my retina as the amount of time I spent playing that game. Uh, well, it's, it's going in. Imagery. It's I, going I, in. I'm, yeah, I'm it putting in. it in. Oh, Matthew's Yay. putting it in. Yeah, great. We, we should all get together. Have it in. Uh, we should. We should. We should play it in the space arc. Oh yeah. God, I have trouble keeping this pretense up. <laughs> <laughs> what? We should all play chaos together in in the uh, in the year we're currently in. That kind of gets me out of it. And uh, yeah, because it's a, it's real fun. It's real fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Laser Squad, on the other hand, oh, yeah. I think Laser should squad. probably go in the fire. Oh. Well, well I'm, I must I'm say, in. I'm 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 kind of anti Laser Squad. Ah, oh. okay. Well, sorry, Jay Gale. More bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> on top of all the stuff that's happening to you in from Far Cry Four, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, are you sick of this yet, Jay? This <laughs> 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 just becoming a yeah, running joke. So, um, <laughs> keeping oh, keeping with the Julian Gollop. Uh, vibe. Jordan Howe has, so he says, greetings from the year 2015. While concerned by the state of the earth in the future, I am more concerned for the well-being of my strategy game of choice, XCOM Enemy Unknown. So this is this was not by Julian Gollop, but obviously Julian Gollop went on to create uh, after Laser Squad, he created XCOM and XCOM Enemy Unknown is the recent um, update of that. Um, so he describes the game a bit um, so your soldier, each and every one of your soldiers is customizable, meaning you give them all unique names and appearances. So if, <clears throat> if you're like me, you probably name your squad after your friends, making you want to do your best to leave no man behind, or you, it induces tears when your best buddy finally bites the alien dust. Yeah. As a final note, protecting the Earth may not be an option in the year 3000. <laughs> no, we've established that. Despite this, I think it's important for residents of the space art to learn to defend themselves from potential alien threats and to have a blast while they're at it. <laughs> for those for those reasons, if any small piece of my world makes it onto the arc, I want it to be this game. Yeah, so I love XCOM. Well, we, we, we've got another. Um, we've got uh, other lovely words about XCOM from Luke oh. on Facebook. Yep. Uh, they're, they're so lovely, I thought I'd share them with you. He says, Adaptive storytelling and unpredictable enemies make this an entirely different beast to the two Nintendo games above. He mentions he, he mentions Advance Wars and Fire Emblem Awakening, which you might come to in a minute. He yeah. says, Played properly with no going back, characters named after real-life friends. There you go. You guys should get married. And permanent deaths. <laughs> it's an absorbing, immersive experience with stressful rights. Hmm, stressful rights and air-punching victories. Yeah. I love XCOM, Enemy Unknown. Um... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's got everything I love about strategy, and yeah, and and that um, uh, it's kind of a bit ropey in a way. It kind of feels very sort of sellotaped together. I Brilliant thought when I, mean. I played it, <laughs> but it's just got a nice, it's got a real personality. Um, and you, yeah, I think that that 
it, you really do feel you you, you build up the, this these soldiers and you do not want to die. And when I, I had all my soldiers wiped out by some catastrophic raid on uh, alien base, and they were it was just mortifying. Um, really mm. good. And the music is by the guy who did the music to Deus Ex Human Revolution, which is some of the best music ever known to man, even in the year 3000. So, uh, yeah, XCOM Enemy Unknown is in the arc as far as I'm concerned. Well, there you go. Sounds good to me. Is that is it that easy? Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, it is. Cool. I've, um, again, I've not played it, but I've only, I've only heard good things. Yeah, I've only really played good. a little bit, and I don't know that I really gave it a fair crack of the whip, actually, so I'm going to reserve judgment. Yeah, it's good um, online as well. It's it's worth playing against... Uh, against I do uh, like the idea of naming people after my friends, because he said, oh, you'll really feel for them. But you'll also, I think you'll probably learn a lot about yourself, like when push comes to shove, which of your friends you really care about. <laughs> and yeah. I could do it. Sometimes like everyone needs to spring clean, so you're like... <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's a good idea having seen a lot of our friends die in the event. Um, yeah. it'd be it'd be really brilliant to um, name characters in video games after them and then watch them die again. Uh, that would, that's something I, I've really been I've really been hoping to do. Uh, it's yeah. been on it's been on my. Uh, <laughs> It'd just be refreshing, wouldn't it? You'd be like, oh, he got killed by a laser. That's sight. That's different. <laughs> I like that. Rather than like, oh, another fire. <laughs> yeah. Another flaming skull uh, among my friends. Yeah. God, Facebook must look really weird in the year 3000. Well, it, it, in the year 3000, it's been renamed Melting Facebook. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. Yeah. And when you poke people, it's more of like a, are you still alive? Poke, poke, poke the body. <laughs> it crumbles at your touch. Yeah, yeah. Poke, poke. Oh, it's ash. All is Ash. Speaking of Ash, <laughs> Ashley Day on Facebook ah. nominates Shining Force 3 on Saturn with uh, the cryptic uh, line saying, he says, it's the best. So, <laughs> well, apparently it's the best. So, so how's, how's our Saturn knowledge, guys? Oh. Weak. Decidedly oh. weak. <laughs> I have never played Shining Force 3 on Saturn. Uh, yes. Has anybody else? I, have, I haven't played it, but it's, I remember... Like reading Mega Drive mags back in the day, and everyone was mad about Shining Force, mm. and I remember thinking that should probably be something I should I should get if I like Mega Drive. Yeah, that's my so, Shining. That's that's the that's the extent of my Shining Force knowledge. Yeah, I just know the name. I know the name of the game. On that basis, I'm not putting it in the arc. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Do you, I think we, but maybe like, should we, and then find out about it. I can't take my vote back now, so it's up to you guys. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> well, hang on. If I if I cast my vote really quickly, then I can put it on you, Matthew. Mm. No, if you say no, it's out. Needs two votes. Yes votes, though. So, Alan, I say yes, it's on you. <laughs> Damn you, Castle! This is turn-based strategy. Yeah, nice. Oh, wow. I like I'm actually summer. brilliant at this. This is where I drop a sheep bomb on you. <laughs> you have you've dropped a concrete donkey on me. Yeah, yeah but you're gonna, you can you can disbelieve it, Al. <laughs> nice. Uh, I I think I'm going to have to disbelieve it. I I feel so fraudulent putting saying as a member of the committee, this game is amazing. It deserves to to live on for generations. When I've never played it and I don't know a damn thing about it, other than Matthew and various other people say it's quite good. So no, sorry, I, I have no I have no idea. I'd be awful. Well, he, say, well, he says, uh, I've heard that other people like, like it. it. Yeah. 
Not enough, I'm afraid. I'm really sorry, Ashley. Uh, I'm sure it's a cracking suggestion and other people will be chiding us for leaving it out, but uh, yeah. it's got to be. Okay, so that's a good five minutes of podcast talking about a game that none of us know about. Moving on to um, uh, Fire Emblem, uh, which has been nominated by Chris P on Twitter and Matthew Gibson. I think they they possibly... He is Chris P now. (laughs) (laughs) That got got a better reaction than I was hoping for. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Crispy. <laughs> oh god, I love it. I love it when we have these moments of humour to take us through the horror. <laughs> oh, you, you gotta laugh. Oh dear. Um. So he, he, yeah. So so Chris Crispy. I can't say it without thinking of Crispy now. Uh, is nominated with his mate Bernie Ng. <laughs> He's nominating Fire Emblem Awakening on the 3DS, saying it should ah. go in. It's a series I never played yeah. till the 3DS, but it's just so great. I was clued to my 3DS for hours upon hours. I think he means glued. Um, and Matthew Gibson says Fire Emblem. I think probably one of the earlier ones. Can't wait for the new one. Um, so, yeah, Fire Emblem. Yeah, now Fire Emblem is not a game I've played. It's like the sort yeah. of Advance Wars with like medieval stuff in it or, or yeah, not medieval, so it's but... the, the 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 big difference is there's no unit building so it's instead of battalions of whatever you have individual people so you have an army of individual characters um mm. again there's a rock paper scissor relationship between uh swords axes and lances um but the big hook is that all the characters are they're that they're characters in the story and if they die, they die for good and they're gone from the story. So you can win a battle, oh. but you can lose like a soldier who you've trained up through the game. So the idea is it's it's basically putting a personality and a face to every unit on the battlefield so you become more emotionally attached. Um, had I not loved Worms as much as I loved Worms, I would have put forward a Fire Emblem game for this. Uh, it really should be in there because it's right. intelligent systems. I think the, yeah. the permadeath emotional angle gives it a hook that very few strategy games can kind of rival um there's loads of them i think awakening is largely considered the best i mean it's the one where they went all out like they said i should um i sorry i should say as well that andrew rice nominated uh, the gamecube one fire emblem path of radiance yeah path of radiance is, is is good as well like it's always been a really good series but i think there was there came a point where basically nintendo they looked at it and said you know, we've been sitting on this quite good, very good games, but we've never really, like, absolutely thrown our, our weight behind it. And the last game they just went all out on, and it's just, and it's a, for, it's on the 3DS, it's just a sort of sublime piece of game making in terms of presentation, style, accessibility. I mean, you can play it without the permadeath if you want. You can just sort of enjoy it as a story, but, you know, right. real Fire Emblem fans. Because you enlist people you meet little random people along the way and they you build them up into these mighty warriors and then they die and you're like oh no i've like i've mm. I've, I've trained this person for 30 hours yeah like it's gone yeah it's but yeah well yeah it's yeah it's there's 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 definitely an element of that but they're 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 more you know the, the characters you sort of you lose them and they're they're, they're not just like faces, yeah actual, you know yeah 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 i, yeah, I think it's a brilliant game. I mean, it's the strategy. It's the closest I've come into love a strategy game, just because because I think there's fixed number of units. It's a bit more manageable. You like, I know what I have to play with here. 
I know what I'm up against. It's not like, oh, yeah. the rules keep changing, you know, as people mm. do, you know, strategic plays. Uh, I can kind of deal yeah. with it. I, I know that Fire Emblem is going to be a game I really love when I finally get around to playing the damn thing. But so I, I will I will put it in the arc on the basis that uh, it's intelligent systems. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a, a game I definitely want to play now that I've got the time on the arc. Alan, what do you reckon to Fire Emblem? Oh, I'm all over it. Yeah. I've only, I've only played um, some of it. I didn't get as deep into it as I might have liked. I suppose probably because um, I'm just not a massive fan of the genre. And it's always like, <laughs> you know, these these games do take a bit of getting into it. And it just wasn't kind of the right moment for oh, me. See, I, I really... It up. I, think, I think in some ways turn-based strategy is one of my favourite genres i just think it you're right it is games that are kind of off-putting especially to the layperson because they they seem very intimidating and and there's a lot to learn but they really mm. get their claws into me like like no other um like no other game you know once you get it you know once you once you've got all the systems worked out in your head um it's just really satisfying brain work you know very yeah. very addictive uh, one yeah one game i i didn't uh actually end up putting forward but i'd like to kind of give a little brief honorable mention to as it sinks into the lava is ghost recon on 3ds oh someone else mentioned a hang on someone yeah so dan murphy eight uh the eighth dan murphy of them all said 40 hours of solid and challenging gameplay and currently costs about the same as a bag of chips yeah who knew yeah Chips or crisps? I'm presuming chips. I think crisps chips would just be, you know, that's too much. Um, but uh, it what hard is right. I actually, I don't, I didn't finish it. It's so brutally hard. That game, mm. uh, very it was satisfying. Also a, a Julian Gollop game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, really. Gollop is uh, Gollop is becoming a kind of uh, hero of the space arc. This is yeah. like the fourth. There's another I one think, coming. I think he would definitely be allowed on the Ark. <laughs> as oh, a hologram. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, not as a real skeleton. Well, he's, from, he's uh, dead, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> <let's>... <laughs> I, like the idea, I like the idea of there being a room where you just play turn-based strategy games while like a hologram of Julian Gollop just sort of like makes sort of noises. You know, it sort of, br- sort of goes <sniffs> when he made a bad decision and sort of tuts. <laughs> he's like, ooh, yeah. I wouldn't do that if I were you. And you're like, oh, man. Just let me do it, Julian. How do I turn this hologram off? <laughs> you just turn it to face the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know a lot about um, whatever game we were just talking about, Ghost Recon. But, probably uh, go- we've put a lot in. Let's yeah, just we put have. It in. A- Let's put all of Gollop's games in because then we can put in um, Duncan. I haven't, put, I, don't, I haven't put his second name down. Duncan. Says uh, Rebel Star you a Tactical. Game called Duncan. <laughs> no, not the game what? Duncan. The oh, game, right. the person Duncan has oh, right. nominated. I was just, I was just like, the didn't game. really fit with his other naming conventions. Gosh, we're so qualified for this this job. <laughs> can't even can't even distinguish between people's names and game names. Uh, Rebel Star <laughs> Tactical Command on GBA. He says, "Check it out, check it out." I'll cry as Space Arc <laughs> blasts off. That's a reference to a previous episode. Um, yeah, I um, so that's another. I, I, I doubt that Gollop actually made that game, but uh, it's based on his Rebel Star, which was the predecessor to Laser Squad, and it's very, very couple of very good uh, ZX Spectrum games. I really loved Rebel Star uh, on the Spectrum, 
Um, so I think we should just have an all gollop in policy, just like get it in there. If it's gollop based or gollop influenced, stick it in. Haven't we thrown laser squad in the fire already? Oh yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> Okay. All all Julian Gollop games except Laser Squad. <laughs> oh, we're never going to hear the end of it from how, how, right, break, how are we going to break that to holographic Gollop? <laughs> Good. Well, I enjoyed that. I really like turn-based strategy, and I enjoyed talking about uh, a very wide range of uh, games and yeah. eras covered there. Um, I was impressed with uh, a lot of the listener contributions were fab. Yeah, well and, and I do have to apologise. Sorry if your uh, choice didn't make it into the episode, uh, but yeah. yeah, do keep saying it. we. Yeah, we we get we get loads of nominations now, and really enjoy reading through it more. So, yeah, that was a very successful round of Space Arc. I, I felt, uh, yeah, a lot of strong games, a strong genre. Uh, yeah, and I think next week we're going to follow it up with light gun games. Yeah, or gun. Is that correct? Phys- physical Light gun games. Well, yeah, physical gun games. So they might they don't technically have yeah, to work. Yeah, g- through... g- games which you have to play with an actual gun in your hands. Yeah, yeah. A fake well, gun a, a in your a fake gun, gun in your yeah. hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, where yeah. you shoot the thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't we don't want any games you play with a real gun in your hands. Yes. That's not the that's that's not really the tone of this podcast. No, because that's terrifying. Like yeah, Russian whole... roulette or something. That's <laughs> yeah. right out. Russian roulette is out. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if you have any light gun games you have a burning desire to see on board the space arc um, burning okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I chuckled uh, to myself yeah you can uh, we'd like to hear them we'd like to hear your submissions uh, so uh, if you listen out for the contact details at the end of the podcast you can find out how to send us your choices and mm. we will um, callously throw them in the lava next week <laughs> yay uh, but uh, for the time being, you can have a bit of this. So in the words of smash hit Disney animated musical extravaganza Frozen, uh, here we stand in the light of day on the final platform of the rotating platform. That bit's not part of the song. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just us. Um, and yeah, I think it's we've had fun. I hope you, the listener... The listeners, hopefully, have had fun as well. Listeners, plural. Richard, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us again. Um, So if you want to get in contact with us, we would love to hear from you. Um, We would like your recommendations for um, light gun games, physical gun games for the Space Arc, any acapella game tunes, just as the uh, Chat Very Good podcast sent to us. Anything like that is very welcome. Yeah. Uh, makeup, makeup tips, um, recommendations for stocks we should invest in. Oh yeah, that's that a good idea. Yeah, if you can help us make our fortune, because um, I'm not sure we're going to be doing it from this podcast, then uh, <laughs> then that would be great. So you can uh, email us at trp at therotatingplatform dot com. Uh, our Twitter uh, handle is rotating podcast, and our website is therotatingplatform dot com. And there's Facebook, Facebook dot com. Rotating platform. So yeah, do write in, tweet in, Facebook in, or website in, and uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, that's the end of this episode. Thanks very much for joining us, and we will say our goodbyes. Goodbye. Bye everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye.